0: hello and welcome to the couch gm podcast my name is ryan parker and i'm joined as always by matt chamberlain how you doing matt
1: it's a good sunday somehow the patriots won today yeah and osu won the other day so
0: it's a it's a good football weekend for sure
1: i know not not having too many of these lately ryan yeah it's a good saturday and sunday
0: my packers are to be determined as of this recording yep uh gotta play i forget the bears oh yeah the bears that's a win and trubisky's starting tonight come on on. got him come on
1: yep and then osu basketball's played a couple games now so all of a sudden it's like we can get on that Cade cunningham hype you can start seeing your number one draft pick for the following draft. Yeah. you know, he's already wearing that blue Native American uniform, giving you a taste, Ryan.
0: It looked really good. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. It looked really good. I'm sure Sam Presti is already tampering with the kid. He's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, just stop playing now, please. Mike right. Boyne's
1: got a promise for to be on the staff next year in the KC. <laughs>
0: uh he could be the g league head coach i guess there you go uh i guess or top assistant because at this point all of our assistants have like no <laughs> head coaching experience they're all just developmental guys because
1: uh, that's where your team's going this year yeah but not
0: tanking not wow. doing that not don't use the word tank matt only because you don't want to get fined <laughs> <laughs> sure whatever spirited Competitive losing.
1: There you go. That's the Oklahoma State method right there. <laughs> there it is.
0: There it is. Um, before we dive more into episode ninety-one. By the way, we're on episode ninety-one. Wow, which is just bonkers. Uh, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, you can find us uh, by searching for NBA Couch GM podcast, um or give us a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, in the recap. Uh, so if you missed episodes uh, 89 and 90, we kind of recapped Draft Night Madness, um, talked about some draft picks in episode 89, and in episode 90 we talked about free agency just absolute getting wild <laughs> and NBA <laughs> loved it dramatic stuff in the fall. I mean, usually we get this in the summer where there's like no sports going on, right? But it was kind of nice to get it. Uh, like, in, it was like middle of a week. It was great. Yeah, it was
1: Sports that week, just wild.
0: It was absolutely insane. Anyways, moving on to a little bit quieter this, this week in news. Matt, what's going on?
1: So, yeah, because all the major trades been accomplished. Major free agent signings been accomplished. Um, we did finally get a resolution to the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal um, in Atlanta, um, going to the Hawks. King's not bringing him back. But other news... Um, i don't know how to feel about this one ryan but demarcus cousins has signed with the houston rockets um that's a thing
0: houston's taking a hard left turn <laughs> like they for, since their maury's departure like they're just uh, also like are boogie cousins james harden and russell westbrook just gonna kill each other at some point in possibly the room? quite
1: possibly um so at the very worst someone needs to get like an hbo hard knocks camera in there (laughs) um i would love to see this just implode from the inside um in other news so anthony davis still has not um re-signed with the lakers like we know he's going to right but um i guess the question is what are you what are you haggling over is it an internal haggle by anthony davis is it him and lebron like trying to figure out the the years is the lakers
0: so i think i think he's holding out for years one to try to figure out because like if you go with the max the five five years you get the most amount of money right right yeah uh if you go for less years you get that flexibility and also like potentially signing another big free agent in the better free agency class next it's, next summer yeah um so i'm sure that's what he's going back and forth on if i were 80 like you want the extra money yeah but I kind of talked about this on a couple podcasts. Maybe last podcast um, was, like, I would just take the one year. Like, I I would... One in one? Yeah, I would have that flexibility. Because you can get that... You can recoup that money elsewhere. Like, Gordon Hayward I, just yeah. signed for three or four for 120. Yeah. And everyone thinks that's overpaid. Like, you're Anthony freaking Davis. You can get, like, any, any amount of money. The moment
1: he die. wants a four or five-year deal, he can have it. Right, like, exactly. So... No need to rush into that. Necessarily. And I think he's
0: almost at the ten-year vet. Yeah, I
1: think it's after after this coming season.
0: So, like, yeah, I'm sure he's waiting on deciding what's best for him. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. What's your thought?
1: I, I think he's him and LeBron are still talking. Yeah, because I mean, they. I don't know if AD wants to be tied to a team without LeBron at this point. Yeah, and so there's probably some discussions there. I would probably agree with you in that just sign the one and one, like second year being the player option. And you know, if you still want that like second year, you just pick it up. You know, just pick up the option. And if not, then cool. Then you can opt out, maybe still re-sign with the Lakers, obviously. Yeah. But I don't I don't feel the need to lock in. He's not one of those guys and we'll talk about other guys in this podcast who did lock in for long term. He's not one that needs to go ahead and lock that, you know, $190, $200 million in. It's going to be there, like I said, whenever you want it. So just, like, I don't know. be a, It's like this is the next step in, like, professionalism of, like, you're established in the league. You're a star. You, you're you a champion now. Like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. So take advantage of that while you can. We talk about, like, player empowerment and all that. That's really only applies to, like, a certain group of guys. And Anthony Davis, like, you are... If you were maybe in that category before, you are clearly in that category now. So, like, use it. You know, use it to your advantage.
0: For sure. And I think the other shoe that hasn't dropped yet that we haven't really talked about on this podcast as much is, like, Giannis signing the Supermax. And that's what could be the other piece in holding out Anthony Davis from signing a deal with the Lakers mm-hmm. is like if he's signed doesn't sign the Super Max, like Giannis is the headline free agent, right? Yeah in the next class. Yeah. Um so like the Lakers have been eyeing him forever. Um now whether like he comes and signs is a totally different story, but I think that plays definitely into the eighty thing.
1: Yeah. I mean they, the Lakers did announce they're bringing back Costas onto the So <laughs> Um, for another year. I Again, mean, they're trying. So I mean, that would just further encourage me to do the one and one. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe Davis is like, I'm not looking to be the third fiddle. Here. Yeah.
0: Like I, I want my ears and I want my money now. Yeah. Like we can figure. Like I'm here now. Figure out the honest thing later. Let LeBron
1: opt out, yeah. make the money work, and then re-sign LeBron.
0: Yeah. He's older. Yeah. Like I, I'm the one who's really in. Like if Anthony Davis really wanted to hit the Lakers over the head, he would if i were him and his agent i would say well lebron's been saying this is my team this whole time yeah. so give me the money in years now yeah.
1: i it would be and you know who knows if this is the actual thought process in davis's mind but he's like i don't want to be chris bosh i don't mm. i don't want to get relegated yeah to third wheel yeah third fiddle yeah with, if they were to get a Giannis and still have lebron and then davis because that's how the totem pole would sim- somewhat be it's right lebron and Giannis. And then Anthony Davis.
0: Could I don't you, know. Could you imagine that, like, backcourt Anthony Davis and uh, AD?
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, you're like, you can't get a shot up within 10 feet of the rim. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's just no way.
0: Like, that, like, closing lineup of LeBron, AD, and Giannis. With just whatever like, guards. Yeah, like, whatever. You can do whatever at that point. Because, yeah. like, you're just not getting close to the rim. Yeah. And if you are, it's, the shot's not going in. Yeah.
1: that's, that's That would be wild. Yeah. To, to do that um last bit of news before we move on to our main topic so the nba dropped its preseason schedule um starting i think december 11th is what it is um still don't have a regular season schedule ryan and uh that's like in four weeks <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we're starting i mean it's uh recording this on november 29th the season starts on december 22nd right yeah like that week so chop chop we gotta i would imagine we're getting that we would have to get that this week right
1: I mean, for teams to make like travel arrangements and everything, um, and it's always been rumored that the NBA is only going to release the first half of the schedule and then come out the second half later, which is fine. I, I honestly have no opinions on that; I don't care. But it's like, if anything, I think it'd be easier to go ahead and get that out. But who knows? You see places like um, in California that are like the 49ers are getting into a problem of they're not allowing teams to practice or play games for the next like three weeks um, in that county. And it's like, okay, well, what if other places start doing this or states? Yeah, I know the NBA is worried about it. Um, oh, we didn't mention this on the news. Um, Toronto's going to be playing out Tampa. Yeah. Um, the
0: Tampa Tem- Raptors. Yeah,
1: that's weird. Um, so there's already being adjustments made for yeah. some teams. I don't, I don't know what the NBA is waiting on necessarily. Besides, just more state announcements. But even if those happen, I don't know what you do about that. So. That's that seems like a team thing you got to figure out then, like the league can't. Yeah, the league can't adjust a schedule based off of that. It's got to be like, all right, sorry, Sacramento or whatever. You got to figure this out. Yeah, I don't know. It it's weird, obviously, and like we still have to take COVID very seriously. But in terms of this league part of releasing a schedule, I don't know what the holdup is either.
0: I also wonder like. With NFL, it's a little bit different because the fields have to be so big. I wonder if there's like more opportunities for people to move, teams to move.
1: You can go find some college gyms yeah. or something like yeah. that. Some just event centers. Right. You can do it in almost every semi-major city. You only need to find a town of 200,000 people to, right. to host a gym for an NBA game. Yeah, right. We've seen them do exhibition games in Timbuktu, <laughs> right? Wichita,
0: right? I, well, yeah. Wichita didn't. I, I don't know. It's I weird. know, like Little
1: Rock, Arkansas has hosted NBA preseason yeah. games before. Like you Tulsa, can, you can yeah. find plenty of places yeah. if you needed, right? Um, at least short term. So I don't think that has to be that big of a worry. And you see, like in college basketball, they've had to move some tournaments, like the Bad Boy Mower Invitational. Oh God! Um, but it got moved to like south dakota and i mean to an old historic gym there it's like really cool but it's like you can find places right you know at the end of the day if you yeah. really need to
0: maui Invitational is just not happening in maui <laughs> <this> you <year. laughs> know
1: nope. you got moved to uh south dakota and that's just brutal
0: <laughs> that, you know <laughs> that's the worst i <laughs> <laughs>
1: think you're at college signing up to go to hawaii for like a week and I, it's like sorry guys we're getting rerouted <laughs>
0: Oh gosh. No thanks. That's when you opt out. You're like, yeah, I'm good. Nope. I'm getting ready for the NBA. See ya, see ya next year. Um, So that makes a nice transition into our one of our two topics for today. We're talking about, uh, like Matt said at the beginning, some maxed out players. Some yeah. guys got paid.
1: Yeah, they did.
0: The Brinks truck got dumped out on some guys' houses and, for some of these contracts.
1: And we're talking about rookie extensions here. Yes. Yep um so essentially what we're going to be talking about is, is a handful of guys who we most would want to build around because essentially all five of these players got the same deal um bam Adebayo, brandon ingram uh De'Aaron fox donovan mitchell jason tatum um most of those guys from the 2017 draft ingram from the year before but essentially they all got a five-year 163 million dollar deal with the potential to get up to 195 million, um, if they hit like all their incentives, which some of them are very likely, some maybe less, but essentially we're in that range of this 30, 35, um, almost 40 million dollar per year deal. So what we're gonna do is talk about these five guys. Um, obviously, Bam Adebayo in Miami, Ingram in New Orleans, Fox in Sacramento, poor Deere and Fox, um, Donovan <laughs> Mitchell in Utah, and Jason Tatum in Boston. Who if you were starting a franchise would you want to build mm. your team, your franchise around? So we're gonna start at number five and work our way up to number one. So Ryan, who's your number five guy out of this group?
0: I have to preface this with saying I don't hate this player. Like I, I Yes you I, do. I, I don't though. I don't. I really enjoy Donovan Mitchell. But he is below <sighs> fifth. Oh gosh. He's below everyone else for me. That's bold. So, he had this incredible rookie year, right? Like, we all were like, oh my god, Donovan Mitchell, like, picked yeah. what? 14? 12? 13? Something like that yeah. like in that range. Late lottery? Didn't expect to see this from this kid in this early on. Well, it wasn't
1: that the year he obliterated OKC? Yeah,
0: that was the year that okay. Yeah, Oklahoma City got bounced in Put Paul George in his place. Yeah. Playoff P showed up on that, that series. Um, that was year one. So... At, and since then, it just hasn't really clicked. Like, there's always been some... Like, he's not been always the most efficient scorer. Like, his three-point shooting outside of the bubble, this has been kind of off and on. Incredible dunker, incredible athlete. Doesn't really play defense still, even though he's on a, like, a defensive-minded team. He's right, Quinn Snyder's one of the best in the league. Right, he's just like an okay defender. Like, there's not like ever a time it's like, okay, this guy can take out one of the best perimeter yeah. players on the other team. Great scorer, can create his own shot. I don't. I'm still not convinced he can create shots for other people. Um, and that's what one of the big sticking points in Utah has been because he hasn't really been passing the ball as much. Although that shift to point guard has started has started for Donovan Mitchell. So that's my number five guy. And I, I guess I kind of laid out my reasons there. I don't know if you want to dive into that more.
1: A little bit. So I have him higher, and I'll talk about my my ideas for him. But, I, I mean, you raise good points. He This transition to point guard is an interesting move for him. Yeah. I mean, he's not the biggest guy. Like, he's thick. Yeah. But right. he's really like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, right. He's really not the size height-wise you need as a two. Now, he's got, you know fairly long arms like we said a good build to him so he's strong he can hold his own for sure but you're right that he's never really been like ever viewed as an elite passer and that wasn't him coming into the nba like out of college like no one thought that at louisville he was just kind of a bucket getter and i i don't want to get hung up on that first year like you said like that surprise Mm. um i mean the bubble this year it's hard to ignore the, yeah so that's, what that's he did
0: that's the one hang-up for me is putting him at five and I had to think about this for a while is that bubble like ex- what he was like he was like their point guard at in the bubble he was so good like yeah. he was really good and, and this is not me saying like I hate Don Mitchell like I said he's still a really great player and I would pay him the five one sixty three and figure it out later I just think that Of the four others, he's just my fifth guy I would choose.
1: He definitely has, he needs the team built around him. Yeah. He definitely needs that. I'm looking at like his stats over his three years. So thinking about like efficiency, you're right. Like that's not his strongest suit. Like shooting, I mean, three years, 17 field goal attempts a game, 20, 19 and a half, never been above 45% um in any of those years three point percentage he's always hovering around seven attempts a game 34 36 percent fine not great fine high volume yeah um, right. for sure so that's the thing is some teams they just need a, a volume score utah needs a volume score right 100%. they just need someone to give the ball to he is great for utah um he's great for certain teams I get why maybe some coaches or some GMs are less enthralled with him um, compared to others. He's got a nice situation in Utah. Utah's starting to build around him by putting... They got um, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, Rudy. I, they don't feel the need, I think, to even try and get him post-touches at this point. Yeah, right. You know, They're still playing Conley next to him. I, I don't know if long-term you want to keep putting that point next to him or not. That's the one thing they still got to figure out. I get the hangups with Mitchell. I do for sure. There's just something about a guy that's in, in three years in the league has averaged twenty and a half, 23.8, and 24 points a game.
0: Yeah, one of the cr- most incredible scores in the game, like as of right now, I think that's my final point. Kind of you touched on there is like if you moved on to Mitchell to, like, let's say the Knicks, like, what does that look like? and I don't know and we might yeah. not nev- not ever know and that's fine i that's just my hang up i think with the other four guys you can throw them onto any team and they make them significantly better yeah. i don't know if donovan mitchell does that
1: yeah that's a it's a great point and one that nba twitter is going to get very upset about because
0: <laughs> i love donovan mitchell i think he's amazing yeah. like he's an these, amazing these are five
1: great players yeah
0: here yeah exactly like if you i mean i guess that could theoretically be a one through five and in in, like that's yeah that's like a 60 win team that we have listed out here <laughs> yes um i j- i don't know that's just my hang-ups with Donovan mitchell as of right now after three years i was if, if we were doing this after his rookie year he would be probably one or two for me
1: yeah see i mean compared to a lot of guys rookie year or even for ingram what would be his sophomore year right he exploded out of the gate yeah. um and he's semi-plateaued. Semi. Um, my number five is Bam Adebayo. Okay. So, my what I like about Bam, obviously, the defense, right? And he's shown more offensive creativity um, than what he ever showed at Kentucky coming out. So, now, been in the league for three years. You see he can pass some. You can run different sets out of him. You can essentially just give him the ball at the high post. And while he's not a dribble creator right you can do any type of screen handoff um any sort of off ball action with him um obviously just normal pick and roll he's great at and defensively not just protecting the rim like we saw in the playoffs in the bubble but then also you know every single night he can switch on the perimeter he can guard inside i mean consistently three through five switching um, even some twos and occasional ones, I there's a lot of value in that for sure. the The hang-ups for me is the jump shot still doesn't look that great.
0: <laughs> it's so bad. He so, took some, he took some elbow jumpers in the finals, and like, it's Oof. like
1: it's like hitting the backboard on the other side of the rim. Yeah, and like not on the like the box either. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like past it, and so it's like for someone that's not a bad free throw shooter, like is at Seventy-two, seventy-three and a half, and sixty-nine this past year—not great, but his volume definitely increased. Um, he's like—he's got decent touch inside, mm. you know. It's like he finds ways to creatively finish dunks. Yep. It's just something about his offensive game feels limited mm. to me. And while I highly value defense, we talked about this a pot or two ago you know, what percentage of the league's value comes from offense or defense. And I'm somewhere like 70% offense, 30% defense, somewhere in there-ish. So of all these guys, again, really like, bam, I would love for him to be a center on my team. If I had to prioritize him in comparison to these other guys, I don't know how I can get him above a wing guard score at this point. If he had any semblance of, A, you know, even just an elbow jump shot, I would feel so much better because then his offensive game could open up to, you know, not just hitting that shot, but having opposing centers um, have to respect it. And then he, you know, two dribbles at the rim finishing or one dribble kick out, which the one dribble kick out doesn't sound unreasonable for him, but teams wouldn't respect his game enough to give that option to him right now. And I don't know if they'll ever have to. So that's where my hangups are with Bam
0: that's a good point i so i mean i can kind of get into this a little bit because bam's my fourth yeah that's fine um and i'll just piggyback off your conversation about bam is that i I agree his offensive game is so limited not so limited it's limited to a point right because shooting is limited his shooting it's a shooting and even like centers now in the nba are so are more devalued than ever yeah um and, like, one of the big things about the finals we kept hearing was, like, well, Goron's Dragic isn't in the game, so it's hard to unlock Bam. Which is fair. Like, I think there's some, like, point to that in that the Lakers were playing Bam a certain way yeah. without having a true dive person to the rim. Um, but, like, I think at the same time, whenever you have a player who you need someone else to help you with your offense... Yeah. That just limits you on what you can do. Although, like, Bam is just an incredible defender. Like, and that kind of makes up for some of that, like you were yeah. saying.
1: That's the you raise a good point there, like Dragic. And I mean, you can insert many guards in the right that spot. Not doesn't have to be just Dragic. But it's like we saw him tear up my Celtics. Um, I feel like that was more due to Dragic, though. Boston had to so deeply respect him. Help off. And then, yeah, and then, like, they couldn't leave Robinson. Robinson was killing him. Couldn't leave Hero. Hero obviously had the one game where he just murdered him. So it's like they had, of all the guys, they're like, we'll leave Bam. But, like, that just says, like, we'll, most teams will, we'll guard Dragic hard. We'll guard your shooters hard. We got to guard Butler hard. And with Adebayo. Try and not give up dunks. You know, he had the one game where we went for like 30 on basically all dunks yeah. <laughs> against Boston. But like that just goes to show, like he needs a he needs an aggressive lead ball um, handler coming 100%. off of pick and rolls with him, and he needs spacing to open up the die for him. Now, while I think he can do some short roll pick and roll passing, it I I don't know how valuable that ultimately is in comparison Mm. to these other guys i think it's a really valuable skill when i'm looking at draft prospects like can they do that or develop into that but knowing that he doesn't have any semblance of a jump shot it loses part of its value that that part if you can short pick and roll like sabonis and you're a threat to shoot it you're a threat to pass it you're a threat to put it on the floor now that's i mean you have everything in the book for you but with atabayo it's really just pass right yeah. now
0: that's a good point too and i think kind of like off the mitchell point we're making is like is bam just in the best possible situation for bam it feels thrive? like it because like if he's on the charlotte hornets like it, is he as good as we perceive him to be? no he's not yeah exactly and i think that's kind of my hang-up too with bam not being any higher is like i i really like his game it's just like the coaching is getting the max yeah. he's getting like maxed
1: i think defensively you could put him on anywhere yeah 100%. and and he's still the same incredible defender it's just the offensive part yeah like, like somehow i'd probably be even less than yeah. it is
0: the if, offensive skill set though is pretty like his passing's pretty good um for like a big man the like yeah. skill set is there um so I
1: averaged five assists per game this year
0: yeah like really good i think he had a couple triple doubles this year too it sounds right um I think he's just, uh, I think this next year is going to be interesting because more teams are going to be focused on him Yeah. than ever. Um, and more attention is going to be brought to him. So if he elevates his game at all, it's going to be in the aspect of shooting like we've talked about. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays it, plays itself out.
1: For sure. So we'll bounce back to my number four since we talked about Adebayo as my five, year four. So my number four, I have Brandon Ingram here. So Brandon Ingram kind of became a darling um, of the league.
0: MVP, MIP.
1: MIP, yeah, yeah. And I I largely agree with it, right? I mean, the step up he took, um, remarkable, after the start to his career in L.A. and the debacle that the Lakers were at that time, just a train wreck, Yep, um, is in his best interest to get out of there. And now I know, like, yeah, they have LeBron and AD, but, like, Ingram wouldn't be Ingram, as we know him, if he was on that team still. Um, so my, what I like about Ingram, obviously, and this is where I kind of get into with some of these other guys is just can score with the best of them, right? You, you need a bucket at large. Brandon Ingram can get you a bucket. Um, New Orleans maximizes that, um, option to just go shoot it up, right? (laughs) Just get, get shots. Yeah. Um, New Orleans will gladly let you do that. So I don't, I I think the 24 points a game, maybe slightly inflated, but not yeah. by much. Yeah. I, I'm going to give him credit. He's still a 20-point guy. Um, and going forward, still probably a 20-point guy. Um, I wish I wish he was a little more creator. It's what you talked about with Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did more for his teammates. He did bump up to four assists a game this year. Again, I, I wonder, is that a little bit due to the New Orleans system, though? Of, like, we're going to take a 1,000 shots. We're going to try and get in transition every potential opportunity and that's where i get hung up a bit with him the body still concerns me not the blood clot thing i'm not talking about that i'm talking about just the skinniness of him yeah because even like not that they're the same but like durant durant filled out eventually yeah yeah and ingram's i mean you could tell me he's still at like 190 and i'd believe you (laughs) right he came into like super skinny it was the
0: kid it was the kid from Maryland whose nickname was sticks right yeah Jalen Smith yeah yeah it feels like it's in the same category with Ingram. yeah
1: it's just he he's just that kind of build yeah and I worry about that long term I'm generally not a fan of skinny wings just because eventually over time you just get broken down but I mean he's really made it work for him playing kind of the three four which I mean puts him in good matchups offensively. Yeah. Defensively, he's got super long arms, right? And so that's what kind of compensates for the lack of strength down there. And in today's NBA, you don't have to be this two hundred and twenty five pound muscular right. four anymore. You can be, you know, fifteen, twenty pounds less. But Ingram's not even that.
0: <laughs> so, He's like 15, 20 pounds down from what you would ideally want yeah, him to be. Yeah. yeah, he
1: needs to get into some of that New Orleans food down there. Like, <laughs> ASAP.
0: Um,
1: him and Zion need to go spend some time together. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but so, I, I really like his game. I, I like the ability to score. I like the ability that he can just rise up over pretty much anybody to get a shot off. Because the arms are just ridiculous. And I like the defensive flashes. I just don't know if I believe in any given system that Brandon Ingram is a high, you know, elite level player. I think he's a good player. I just don't know if he's a great player.
0: That's a really good point about him. Um, Ironically, I have him at three. (laughs) So I have everyone, like, a notch above you so far except for Mitchell. Um, But I, so, like, I really love Brandon Ingram's game. I didn't. For a long time. Yeah. I was anti Ingram. Yeah. And then I kind of like flipped this year. Uh he's fun score. it can score from anywhere, like you were saying. He could score
1: a lot better off the dribble this year too.
0: Yeah, that was the other thing. And like extending his range mm-hmm, really definitely. like he, he really didn't shoot as many threes. He was taking a lot of long twos in LA. Um and that kind of got resolved a little bit this year. Um and that was another impressive thing, is like he kinda of has a post move like two too when he gets the ball down well that
1: looks like those fadeaways yeah those fadeaways are just ridiculous it's like dirk
0: yeah it's just kind of crazy like his offensive game has evolved so much i think that's but the biggest point you brought up to me is like defensively he's still not in that category of like taking out a guy no
1: he's like fine good at times
0: yeah and maybe like that's not the biggest issue for New Orleans because they have other guys they feel like they can do that or at least they did with yeah. Drew Holiday now they don't um but i think like he's he, he still has a lot of room to grow um yeah which, which is kind of a, i think a fair assessment yeah. i don't think he's been with the same coach for more than right a year or two. Because
1: it was three years in LA, now a year in New Orleans, and he's getting a new coach also yeah. with Stan. Which maybe Stan helps with the defense.
0: Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe he gets in a really good system. But I, I think another point you brought up is, like, in a playoff team, how good is Brandon Ingram? Is he, like, ever the third best player? Or, like, second best for player? For a
1: championship team, I think he could be, like, a third best player. Yeah. For a championship team, there's I don't think there's any way he's a one or two
0: yeah Yeah, and that that's the thing with him right now for me too is like i don't building around him and paying him this contract like you want him to be your number one option and maybe he grows into that a little bit more but I, i just feel like he's we're starting to hit not the ceiling for these guys because i don't want to put these guys in a box but specifically ingram it feels like there's only so much more you can do with your game defensively you can get better but I think yeah. offensively, he's pretty much there.
1: Yeah, right. And you, you mentioned his three-point attempts. Just rattling this off real quick. Um, first three years in L.A., attempts per game from three. 2.4, 1.8, 1.8. This year, New Orleans jumped up to 6.2. Yeah, so right? that's
0: it. And he did it kind of efficiently. He was like mid-30s, right? Uh,
1: he got up to 39 by the end of the year.
0: So there it is. Yeah, yeah. pretty efficient three-point score.
1: If he's doing that and two-point attempts he stayed at, he was last... I'm in LA career 6.3, 11, 12. He was at 11.5 this year in New Orleans. So it's like he didn't increase that part of his game. He truly just increased how often he was taking threes, um, which is helpful. And getting to the line six times a game, um, big for him. Free throw percentage drastically jumped for him. He was 62, 68, 67.5. In LA, this year, he jumped to 85. Mm. so if he if he can just like capitalize on those opportunities even those are easy points for him and my last kind of thing here before we move on he's yeah a year older in terms of like the draft class right he was part of the 2016 draft these other guys were part of the 2017 draft um not that much older though he's he literally just turned 23 in september so whereas like tatum is gonna turn 23 in march Fox gonna turn um, twenty three here in December. Bam is actually older than him. Bam mm. um, was an old older freshman. He's um, like two months older Ooh. than Brandon Ingram. Um, let me see if I can pull up Donovan Mitchell real quick. Donovan Mitchell older too. Yeah, because he, he played a sophomore. A sophomore. In, yeah, yeah. At, at Louisville. So even though he was a year further along in his NBA career, he's Really, that's not even a factor in this conversation because it's really not that different. Um, Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's already twenty-four; just turned twenty-four. Yeah, so he's like a full year older. Um, So it's really just uh, Tatum being the youngest of all these guys, but not by too much much even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you you started to talk about the next guy because Ingram was your three. Mm. Again, we like Ingram. We like him. Um, I've. I thought I was going to be the risky one putting Fox at three here. Because <laughs> I'm a huge Darren Fox fan. Yeah. I just, I hate Sacramento with a passion and what they've done to him. So, I, do you want to talk on Fox first since I talked first the last couple times? Sure. Stolen your thunder.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's kind of flowed, flowed really well. So, I have Fox at two. Um, De'Aaron Fox has been really good regardless of what the Sacramento Kings has done on the floor. And that speaks volumes to me. Like, that guy's just been one of the most competent players in the NBA, one of the most fun players to watch. He gets up and down the floor so quick, can create offense for others, can shoot the ball, can get to the rim... And he's doing it with a terrible roster, just awful, <laughs> just absolutely awful situation.
1: And Luke Walton as his head coach this year.
0: Yeah, exactly. And despite all of this, I think he can still be a top tier point guard. Um, yeah, defensively, like he's he's a little weak defensively, but he's never been in a situation where like he's ever able to show off his defensive skills and i think he he could be a sneaky good defender um, cool because
1: like you look at the kings what they've been throwing out on the floor with them it's been like him bogdanovich who's not a particularly good defender either right. healed we know is not a good defender barnes not a good defender <laughs> bagley not a good defender be like not a good defender all good
0: off-ball defenders
1: yeah like they're all they're all competent off-ball defenders right and then it's like there's just no one that can ever guard the ball on this yeah. team, though, right? Besides, like, Corey Joseph. And Corey Joseph can't do everything for you. Um, so that's that's ridiculous. And even, like, they even had, like, big man protection at the rim. Like, Rashawn Holmes is nice, but he's not, like, anything that special. Like, he's that's a backup why, center. That's right? why they signed Hassan Whiteside, Ryan. Yeah. Um, God. So you're, you're definitely right about that with the defense with De'Aaron Fox.
0: So I just think, like, if I'm picking a player in the NBA, one, to build around, it's like speed matters in the nba yeah um it's
1: not just full court it's like half court
0: yeah he's he's just so quick to get to the rim I, i just i don't know like i like fox i know like i've kind of flipped i feel like fox and what most people would rank these people as because if you gave most people most fans i feel like mitchell would be here um and I just hire on Fox. I don't know. I've always liked De'Aaron De- Fox too. I've been a big De'Aaron Fox fan. Um, his nickname's awesome. I know that doesn't matter about basketball things <laughs> uh, for what we're ranking them for. But like, I just for the roster he's been given, and for the fact that they've almost been a playoff team for the last two years, I think yeah. speaks volumes to because it's no one else. Like, who else yeah. is who else is producing here? Right. Like it. Are you saying like Barnes is getting you like
1: Barnes is taking shots and Barnes that. is getting
0: you to the playoffs? No, like it's all De'Aaron Fox.
1: Yeah. I, I'm very curious what this year looks like with an increased role. Now that Bogdanovich is gone. Yeah. Um, really you're, there's not a great secondary ball handler now. Cause that's not Heald's game. Heald's really more catch and shoot run right. off the of screens. Barnes. I mean, Barnes is going to take shots, but you know, whatever Bagley, same thing. Um, halliburton who they drafted this year will get some run um as the backup point some run as like a guard paired next to fox i i do wonder with Fox, his three point percentage did go down um this year in his three years he shot 31 37 and then he shot 29 this year part of me just wonders is that just sacramento yeah because i don't i don't watch darren fox and be like he can't shoot yeah. Like, I, I've never thought about it. his form, really. He's gotten a little bigger since he gotten in the league. It's not like he's a massive dude, but he, the fact that he's somewhere in that 180, 190 range is, like, fine, right? So with De'Aaron, I I think I'm on the same wavelength as you with If we could just start a franchise, start a team, and, like, who's, who's going to be a lead ball handler? De'Aaron Fox, if we're thinking long-term, has to be pretty high on that list for the whole league. Yeah. Not just this group of guys.
0: I mean, like, if you're talking about, like, 25 and under, and you're wanting, like, a ball hander. I
1: mean, it's, like, him, Murray, yeah. maybe, and, like, a select handful of others, but not that many.
0: Yeah, like, the list gets really short, really quick, and then Darren Fox is really high on that short list anyway. Yeah, yeah I just think that, like, I feel like he's one of those guys, I mean, we've talked about Ed uh, Mitchell, regardless of the situation, he's going to be good.
1: Yes, I th- like the fact that he's able to even still look competent on the Kings, being the Kings, says like, a lot. Yeah, and so like if he if he can just find a way to either get in a better situation or if the Kings can do a better job of maximizing him, then all of a sudden he's already a twenty point per game scorer. Right, and he's not even like doing it on like good efficiency. So if if he can one improve his shot, but two get in better situations, I think you could see him really take off here in the next couple of years and that deal, which while the money of course looks huge, could actually pay off with him. It's yeah, just it could Sacramento look like has you're to are underpaying him almost. Yeah, Sacramento just has to figure out the team building side of it. Which yes, I don't trust that. But <laughs> we'll see. Now, you you alluded to it, um you obviously had Mitchell way lower. Yes. I I still put Mitchell at two. Okay. So I
0: I can see this either way like for me like it's just those things we talked about i'll let you talk here so
1: while i don't get me wrong i don't love the fact that he is a smaller two i don't love that and he's got long arms so it helps make up for it he he just plays with such gravity and power that it's like it almost doesn't matter, and there's certain guys that like you just have to have an it factor. Like, yeah. I don't care if I'm smaller, I don't care if I'm shorter, I don't care if you're faster. Not that Donovan Mitchell isn't fast necessarily, but it's like I just don't care because I'm going to find a way to get a bucket. And in Utah, I think what impresses me is, while, yes, Utah's a good situation. Like from a well-rounded development standpoint, there's still no one on that team that can just get a bucket right and there hasn't been either like bogdanovich was a really nice addition for them because he could kind of do something on his own conley he can't do it anymore rubio was never that guy Mm. you know it's not like royce o'neill was ever doing anything joe ingles is nice and like a third option pick and roll um or a bench guy um running a second unit but not really that you know core group and then rudy obviously is rudy so Every team he's played in the last three years is, no, this is the only guy that can get a shot up on his own. So he's had to deal with that all three years. Three-point percentage, we talked about, like, not bad, actually. It's been around league average, um, and he's been putting up almost 70 game. And that was something I wondered when he came into the league was how good of a three-point shooter was he going to be. He's really worked on that part of his game. We saw in the bubble, he can just get a bucket. I mean, and really, if you need him to... 20 buckets um i think he's a good rebounder i think there is more passing potential there than we've seen it's more just a shift in mentality for him i don't mind giving him the ball every single possession and just saying do what you need to do um whereas i don't quite feel that way about like ingram Mm -hmm. and then with fox i i feel that way about fox but at this point mitchell has shown a greater ability just like score still um, whereas Fox is probably still a better passer. But Mitchell still has something to unlock there that I really like. And I guess if I'm looking you know, long-term, who, who am I playing with? I'll take the guy who has shown the ability to play off-ball a little more. Because Fox, they, they can't really take the ball out of his hands there right. because they have no one else. And when they have, they're just having De'Aaron just stand there. <laughs> um, so while I think De'Aaron can do more off-ball hasn't been asked to, hasn't shown the ability to. Which Donovan, he's played off ball, he's played on ball. I think I just trust him more if he does get put on a team that's maybe got another guy on it to still get 20 and hit big shots. And he's a good defender. He's had to expend so much energy on offense mm. that he hasn't been the full-blown defender. But of any of these guys that we've talked about so far, um on the perimeter so him fox and ingram he's the only one that i feel like if you need it like hey we need one stop here yeah he's the guy it's like i got you every the other two eh. yeah yeah
0: ingram it's like 50 50 and yeah. fox it's not even 50 yeah. 50 so probably
1: not no so that's where i feel pretty good with mitchell is and even that he can probably do it one through three mm. you know um so that's why I think I'm gonna tilt Mitchell. We've talked about some of his pros um, and cons. Um, I just I think if I've got to ride with a guy for the next six years, eight years, ten years, I think Donovan's probably where I have to lean out of that group. Cause then oh, fair points. Yeah, and then the, there's kind of the next guy we'll talk about that neither of us have mentioned. It's kind of in that class of his own to mm, me. Yeah, I don't know about you, but to me he is, and that's Jason Tatum.
0: I agree. Yeah, best player out of all of these guys.
1: Yeah, and that's one I really didn't feel like I had to think too much about.
0: Right. You know, Yeah.
1: something like 6'8", 210, 220, somewhere in there. Just an incredible score. Out of all those guys, just the smoothest looking dude out there. And what he showed this past year, which is I can play defense also and still then go on the other end and score. Which, having that two-way ability is something that, Mitchell's got that potential for Fox and Ingram a little, and bio, It's more defense and offense. Tatum can just bring something to the game on in all facets that those other guys just. I don't know if they can, right, moving
0: forward. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like Tatum is just such a special player in that he can score, he can defend, he started even like his passing ability got way way yeah. better this season. Especially I, saw in the bubble. Yeah, in the bubble, it really showed um, his finishing. I think that's something we have both been <sighs> crit- critical of. Very much. And in the, so. the past, was got even better. Even though he did get blocked by by at the rim. I mean, that was you know he went up strong with it, and that's what you want, right? Like yeah. you don't. I, I think in the past, like he would have probably tried to go for a layup there, and that would have ended even worse. So, yeah. um, I just really appreciate his ability to score, defend. I mean, he's. A prototypical like wing that you want at the NBA at the NBA level. Um, and if you're building around any of these five guys, like Tatum has to be at the top of the list,
1: yeah. So, you were talking about finishing inside, which has been a frustrating point for, for <laughs> Tatum. So, in this looking at this, this is from basketball reference. So, um, two point range when he's between three and ten feet of the rim, um, first year 63 uh or sorry 26 percent second year 33 percent this year 37 percent
0: so it's gotten marginally it's, better you
1: know right it needs to be better overall yeah it does but it's gotten better so like he's kind of developed a if i can't get to the rim all the way i can have a floater i can mm, have that yeah. kind of little push shot from there i can you know get into a you know pull up you know or or a post move even um against a smaller defender and say post move i mean just get a guy on the block and just rise up over him because you're six eight with like a seven (laughs) foot wingspan um i don't know if you really consider that a post move more just a turnaround in the post um so the fact that he's kind of he realizes it right he's working on it it's figuring out and he's still like a guy that can score at any level right so he's realized the deficiency he's working on it it's gotten better he elevated his game this year to being a 23-point-per-game score. It's right there with Mitchell and Ingram and all those guys. You're right with the passing. It's gotten better. That's probably the next step for him for Boston. Um, and Boston being such a loaded team over the last several years, he hasn't had to be that guy, right? Playing with like Kyrie, playing with Kimba, playing with Gordon Hayward. But now two of those guys aren't there anymore. Um, and with Kemba, you just feel like more of the burdens is going to be passed on to other guys um, this coming season. Whether it's Brown, um, whether it's Tatum. So I'm excited to see Tatum because his assists have gone up from one and a half to two to three, and then the bubble is even better. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at like four and a half, five next yep. year. Yeah. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be a tough betting line if you put it at like four and a half. Four point, yeah. 4.25 Oof. would be a tough betting line there.
0: Oof. That's tough. But I, I would have to think about that one. Yeah.
1: So he. He realizes what needs to get better in his game. It's gotten better. We wondered what's the three point percentage of the first year a fluke when he shot like forty three percent, second year thirty seven, this year forty. So now he's a, you know, a slightly above average. Maybe not an elite three point shooter. He's an above average
0: forty percent is just insane from three yeah. point like that. That's and most on seven of, attempts per game this year. Well, so like the other thing is like he's most of those seven attempts i would say probably three of four of those are created by himself
1: yeah like they're contested off the dribble yeah shots. like step
0: backs they're not like that little sidestep
1: he has yeah. is ridiculous
0: it's insane and i think that's the, another point about Tatum's game is that it's evolved from i think another critique was that he was taking a lot of long twos mm-hmm. um in his second year when Kyrie was there and he's taken that really out of his game like he can still do that he can still like take smaller defender and kind of do that kobe thing and turn yeah. around and elevate and shoot um and fade away but i think like the most impressive thing is that he's just able to create his own shot now
1: yeah and, um,
0: and starting to create shots for others
1: yeah you mentioned uh more leaning towards taking two-point shots he, like, he was taking two and a half times more two-point shots his first and second years. This year is only like one and a half times more. Yeah. Which, you know, generally speaking, I'm okay with him taking more twos and threes. Like, that's fine still because he's trying to get to the rim. Also, like, of this um, past season in Boston, he was taking um, 62% of his shots from two. Past years, it was over 70. So, like, it's still a p- pretty high number but 25% at the rim, 15% in that short three to 10 foot. So it's like 40% of his shots are there. Right. Um. Not many anymore coming from those long two distance. He's really cut that down. Like you said, that's only about 20% of his shots. Whereas before it was closer to 30 plus percent. So you're right. He's working on that. It's getting better. And I just think the rise he's on, like, I don't, I don't see many guys being like, I can stop him. Right. Yeah. It it takes a truly elite defender to stop Jason Tatum at this point. And even then I don't know if you stop Jason Tatum.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the point above all else is that the other guys we've talked about is it doesn't take your best defender to necessarily take yeah. those guys out of the equation. For Jason Tatum, it takes your best defender and then some.
1: And then some help. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Some weak side rotation.
0: Like unless you're Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, like you're getting help off this guy yeah um or even jimmy butler i guess was pretty good against him um
1: but it's gotta be that level the defender right. locked in
0: yeah. on him like super intense playoff like a regular season game in february this year
1: tatum could still go for 25 yeah, yeah. semi against anybody basically. essentially yeah yeah
0: it's I, i'm just super impressed with this kid like he can do it all and like you said he's i think he still has another level to go which is kind of scary yeah. for the rest of the NBA. Yeah.
1: And it's like he's shown enough to let you know that there is for sure that next level yeah. still, offensively and defensively. So, in that, we'll get into our second topic um, of the day. Still talking about young guys, young teams. A team trying to pivot away from that, apparently, Ryan. Um, do we believe in the Atlanta Hawks? Topic number two.
0: So, let's get into this. So, the Atlanta Hawks offered Bogdan Bogdanovich um an offer sheet yeah and the kings declined to match that offer sheet sheet so he's no longer on the the kings he's on the hawks so the hawks got him for four years 72 million dollars
1: so 18 a year it's not
0: bad not terrible not terrible but you also brought in gallinari rondo solomon hill and chris dunn in this offseason and you drafted deandre hunter and cam reddish last
1: previous year. year yeah this team got old real fast ryan
0: yeah that's kind of went from,
1: like the youngest roster in the league to like all of a sudden you just signed like four 30 year olds
0: like veterans and i guess at some point like a team has to do this right like you yeah. have to bring in some older talent to start to contend because this obviously the core the core is young i guess Bogdanovich now i don't i don't know like collins maybe herder reddish hunter like i don't know what the core of this team is like they're trying to let's pause for a second and talk about their lineups because that's important context to to preface this conversation so
1: i think their starting lineup is going to be something like trey young bogdanovich that's your backcourt and then in the front court you'll have gallo collins capella 'Cause if remember they traded for Clint Capella also. Yeah, that was the thing. Um, we never like saw him, I don't think, in Atlanta playing a game for them. I don't I know don't if you think so. So I don't know. like that's I mean, not that anyone's watching anyway. So <laughs> But yeah, it's like all of a sudden it's like you bring in three guys with Bogdanovich, Gallo, and Capella, that it's like even Bogdanovich, we view him as a newer guy to the league. He's like twenty eight still. Right. So he played professionally in Europe before coming over to the league. So now you've got that log jam to deal with the draft picks you've had in the last couple of years. Um, so in the backups, you we're going to project Rondo as the backup point guard. I do wonder how many regular season minutes he's playing for mm-hmm. Atlanta, but yeah. okay. Herter um, is your backup to reddish and Hunter. And then you drafted Okongwu with a number six pick. So that's four guys in that second unit that are all like 21 and under um, and need, time on the court to develop and then you'll have chris dunn and solomon hill as kind of like extra depth so don't get me wrong like in in a vacuum having those 12 guys as your rotation like you're not going to play anyone that sucks right but at the same time there's a lot of young guys between young collins Herder, reddish and hunter and okongwu that they just need to be on the floor to play and there's one basketball Ryan. so <laughs> not I'm not sure who's playing defense here. I'm not sure how Lloyd Pierce is getting all the young guys enough minutes. I'm not sure how there's honestly enough shots going to get passed around in that starting unit, let alone getting along to Rondo, Herder, Reddish. I'm I'm I guess this just leads us to the the main question here is with all that said, do we believe in Atlanta trying to make this playoff push? Cuz that's what they want to do.
0: I I think to your point there about like playing defense, I don't think they have enough defense on this team. Like you brought in Rondo to ideally play some defense. But I'm, then you offer like that was before offering Bogdanovich an uh, offer sheet. Yeah. Like I guess you want talent, like you Get, figure it out later yeah acquire talent figure it out later that's what the king should have done um so maybe the <laughs> i mean maybe the hawks just outsmarted the kings here i don't know i just think the the lineup here of like young bogdanovich gallo that's gonna hurt zero defense like who who's stopping anybody uh, like Col- collins and capella but like collins
1: defense hasn't been his calling card
0: defense hasn't been his calling card and then capella is like you can't really switch on to people on the perimeter. We've we- seen it.
1: We've seen it for years. You have to develop like a drop system right. for Capella to like. I'm basically not leaving like five feet of the rim, and guards. You've got to like aggressively chase over the top to stop them from getting just wide open threes. And I'm not trusting Trey Young <laughs> to really fight on defense. Bogdanovich. I'm doing it wrong. Like, Bogdanovich will battle a little. Yeah. But like, at what point do you stop? Gallo. I like Gallo as as a player. But I mean that dude, he's older, he's like six ten. He's not really like fighting over screens, right? He's a little stiffer on that. He's gotta like hide
0: on like a four, like a stationary four. Like
1: I like Collins as an athlete, but he almost feels more like a four five than he does like a three four. Right. So again, you can't you can't like put him on like a two and like just trust that. So yeah, the perimeter defense, being specific here, worries me a lot for Atlanta.
0: Because even in like bringing in like Rondo, like you said, like he can play defense. Is he gonna try in the regular season when it, you need him to try? Yeah. Probably not. Herder is a fine defender. Like he's not like he, he's down. like
1: the scrappy white guy defender. Like <laughs> it's like yeah, you're trying. Like you're gonna ultimately probably get scored on by the better players. Right. But like at least he is like six seven
0: yeah he's super tall super yeah. lanky uh can get in the way uh, like reddish could be something like could be a really nice defender he showed um, good flashes he hunter is like that's his calling card yeah like coming out of college um and then a like his interior
1: again um, yeah i don't like feel great about saying, him switching
0: like you were saying yeah and, and i don't know like i kind of like a shrug, like the shrug emoji if they is, weren't
1: good on def- defense last year i don't know how they're any better this year now they might just say we're scoring. Yeah, we're going to score 140 points, and, and that's our goal worked. every night.
0: It kind of works for the Mavericks.
1: I mean, right. Kind of. So like,
0: maybe, that's that, like Luka Doncic. Yeah, maybe like Trey Young's not Luka, and Luka can actually be a good defender. I think the biggest, the like, biggest point here is like, can Trey Young play some amount of defense?
1: Any amount, of De'Aaron Fox amount of defense,
0: <laughs> like the bare minimum, right? So yeah. kind of just like get game because there was that one game where they were up like this the hawks were the up, Miami like, heat game yeah where and trey young was like it's over and then they get blown out by 20 <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> they, like, yeah they couldn't stop anybody like i just don't know i guess like chris dunn could be a nice piece like defensively
1: especially if rondo doesn't play a ton of minutes or a ton of games
0: yeah um you could put him next to the trey young and it's not like oh like chris dunn has to shoot now yeah um I don't, I don't know. I, if you're gunning for the 8th seed in the East...
1: This might get you there.
0: This might get you there. But then it's going to be a really quick series with whoever's the one.
1: Yeah, probably Milwaukee. Yeah. But even if it's not Milwaukee, if it's Boston, if it's if Philly... It's Milwa-
0: if, Mil- if Giannis plays this team, like, just good luck. Just yeah. wrap it up. Like, you don't even need to come... Like, at yeah. 3-0, don't even go back. Yeah. Like, go back Go back to Milwaukee at that point.
1: Yeah. Um. You know, as... Someone who really could like the draft. I really like reddish. I yeah. really like his potential. I really like what he's shown um in his one year there. Mm-hmm. But it's the offense started to really come along towards the end of the year. Like the efficiency of it. Don't wrong. If you look like at the whole year statistics, they're not great. But towards the end of the year, they were much better defensively. I like him. I would be looking to get him minutes. But even if you're are trying to substitute one of those young guys in there you, you got to get into the conversation of who's not playing. That's yeah. always like a conversation right. like you can have in different aspects of the NBA world of like, you say, like, oh, this guy's a top 20 player. Okay, then who is not a top 20 player? Who's getting bounced out of that conversation? In this situation, okay, if we want to get Reddish more minutes or we want to get Herder more minutes, okay, who's not playing then? Who Who's getting 10 minutes taken off? strong John Collins? Because he's in a contract here. John yeah. Collins is not going to be happy about getting his minutes slashed down yeah. to like 22 minutes a game right Gallo Bogdanovich you did not sign for 20 million dollars a year Sit on the bench right for a 21 year old right Trey Young Atlanta they're putting him on the floor for 35 minutes a game Capella is is that the move go small but then you drafted Okongwu and so now you got two centers sitting (laughs) on the bench right so I'm I'm wondering what creativity Lloyd Pierce does here I'm wondering what kind of development they have here because if if they could do something where like Collins buys into playing the five and you could just move Collins um, to the five Gallo to the four and then insert Herder or Reddish or whatever. Yeah. Like again, that's fun. I like that idea, but defensively it still doesn't really help you. Right. So if you're just going for we're scoring a thousand points, why, why play Capella? Right. Honestly, because Capella, yeah, he's a nice dive option. So is John Collins. John Collins' best attribute is athletic dunking. Yeah. So, you Getting know, like, so let's just do that instead and evolve John Collins into, like, he can do short roll um, or he could dive all the way to the rim or he can pick and pop. Please show him that ability. Mm, um, 100%. And open up the lane a bit more for a Trey Young drive or something. But I, I'm not sure how Atlanta actually balances the on-the-court play. And while we can, you know, congratulate Travis Link for putting together a good roster in a vacuum like I said earlier what does it actually amount to? I think that's the big question. They're fighting for the 8 seed. Unless, you know, someone gets hurt and there's somehow multiple spots open up in the east. But it doesn't look like it at that point. We I want to assume that that injuries open up like they did with like the Nets. Um mm, yeah, yeah, you know, even the Nets still even made the playoffs. Still.
0: Yeah, so like I think to like I don't I don't know what to do. I feel like Atlanta almost panicked in this yeah, offseason. I do too. Like that's that's what it feels like. Trey Young
1: I'm... said, "Give me help now." Yeah. And they said, "Okay."
0: <laughs> and like, shoot back to Trey Young, play some defense, and we'll get you some help. <laughs> like it, it, seriously. Like I don't know. Like scoring is not going to be a problem for this team. A hundred percent but you've been so diligent about making good draft picks for your situation in hunter reddish herder i mean you can extend that out to young a little bit and even okungwu right this year like you acquired so many picks you traded luka Doncic away to the mavericks to acquire an extra pick which turned out to be deandre hunter yeah so like why are you accelerating this process and i know there's been a lot of reporting about like the the demand from the Top down has been make the playoffs or else heads are gonna roll. How did this like not get communicated up that this process takes more than two years, right? Like you have to be bad before you're good, and it feels like Atlanta in this situation, even in this off season, is trying to run sprint before they even can walk. Yeah,
1: and they got used to winning a little bit, right? They had the Boonenholzer teams. Yeah. while they didn't have great playoff success ultimately right they they at least won some playoff games Mm -hmm. but i do i do wonder if they went a little heavy on how many draft picks they went for because like we talked about so young herder reddish um hunter collins and okongu that's six guys in the last like three years that's a lot of draft picks and some of those positions definitely overlapping at what point do you consolidate some of this and try and do something with it? Like, okay, these are the three we're keeping and these are the three we will trade to try and get an upgrade at a certain position. Right. And you know, they were, there is the rumor that they were involved in the drew holiday sweepstakes doesn't obviously ultimately get him. Um, cause new Orleans was kind of in that same deal. We don't need more 20 year olds. Right. Right. We need some adults in the room here. And you know, I, I just wonder, were there other guys they could have gone and got for this team that would have made them a bit better? And even if it's fringy guys, because they didn't need anyone drastic um, to come in and change them. Like, yeah, Drew would have been nice, but, like, could you have gone and thrown a little extra money at, like, to Michael Green or something? Yeah. And just, like, yeah. those type of moves could have, like, actually really helped this team. Like, Fred Van Fleet, yeah, he's short but a really good defender, obviously. So, could you have maybe been a bit more aggressive with him? Maybe he didn't want to be, you know, who knows there. Um, like, Joe Harris type. Um, maybe, I mean, you weren't overpaying for Jeremy Grant, because Detroit was already going to do that. (laughs) But, like, there were, there were some options out there. Or maybe just don't pay these guys $20 million a year for multi-years. Um, and your free agents, and just let the process work itself out in the long run. Because, What we're seeing with Collins is like it'll work itself out whether you want to pay him or not. And if you don't want to pay him, you'll be able to trade him or let him go. Yeah. Right. It'll just naturally happen. But you just got to let it happen to see. That's the thing with Herder, Reddish, Hunter. You got to let it happen. You got to see if they can actually play. Otherwise, these draft picks are wasted assets in three, four years, or it's a waste of roster space. It's It's a waste of playing time to put these guys in there if you don't care for them ultimately. So, either get guys that you want to play and compliment you, the guy you view as your star and Troy Young, or, you know, get off or to let the young guys play. Just let them play and just let it be.
0: Yeah. Let it work itself out. Yeah, 100%. It does feel like the offseason moves that have been made up to this point, it feels like Collins is almost on his way out the door. Yeah, I think so. Like, the front office to me is signaling, like, we need to like change something and i guess john collins is our guide to change for whatever reason i guess because you have to pay him sooner which yeah. kind of makes sense um
1: feels like a bad reason to yeah. <laughs> move off of a guy but i get it
0: i mean like i feel like john collins could be a valuable asset on the trade market but i mean gallo's natural position at this point in his career is the four yeah and like that's what john collins needs to play that's what deandre hunter needs to play there's You usually don't need three of a four position. Yeah. So I I don't know. That's, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of just a shrug with Atlanta. And I feel like they're going to be on the, at the end of the season on the outside looking in.
1: Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the eight. Yeah. Necessarily. But I, I don't know if I can pick them at this point in the year. Like the Orlando Magic, you know, the Jonathan Isaac injury makes it a possibility. You know, there are other situations that maybe it's just, there's no one else to get the eight seed but i I, it's like i wouldn't feel good picking atlanta at this point either
0: yeah 100 100 well that's all we got for episode 91 no dramatic trades nothing no free agency no draft things come on nba we're just waiting essentially for the nba pre pre preseason stuff at this point which is like two weeks away december 11th (laughs) which is insane We're almost back to watching actual basketball games again. What do you mean, college basketball's on? Sure. Yeah, (laughs) sure. We can call it actual basketball. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 91, and we will see you back in episode 92.